video podcast. <laughs> Who better? I'm your king of bad taste. <laughs> well, kiddies, with that, here's your hosts to put a bad taste in your mouth. <laughs> Welcome back to episode 162 of the Bad Taste Video Podcast. I am Mike. I'm here with Grizz, and we have a very special guest back from the dead. Well, the Bad Taste Video dead, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's I been over something? a year. I it, Well, I, I think it's been over a year we were discussing. Uh, I don't remember exactly what episode number it is, but... We have Mr. E.K. Wimmer himself from the Laser Graves podcast coming back to discuss another Polonia Brothers movie, probably the most well-known Polonia Brothers movie out of the whole library, right? Yeah, uh, that or uh, feeders. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why? Wait, Grizz, you don't think so? The mo- You think this is the most... Well, I mean, I, I, all right, I'll give it to you, yeah. Sure, I'm not going to argue this early. It's the most well-known. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, EK, what's up, man? Where you been? What have you been up to? Uh, watching a lot of Polonia films, apparently. I, I, <laughs> last time I came on, we did The House That Screamed, which I thought was pretty funny. So I'm back for another, but just been busy, crazy busy, working on a bunch of projects and um, trying to keep up with my own podcast. What a uh, laser graves, man! Oh, yeah, laser Damn. Graves. What a what a difference, though. This film from uh, the house that screamed. This is uh, <laughs> yeah. this is quite a jump in the uh, the Polonia timeline. It is, but they both have their own charm. You know, I feel like for real Polonia fans, both of them would be kind of top tier films that you have to watch. They both have similarities too. You know, there's there's yeah. there's classic Polonia throughout. Yeah, <laughs> roughly twenty five years apart, right? Isn't the house that screamed like two thousand one or so, right? I believe Something that's around correct. There. Yeah. So you know, this one was nineteen eighty seven. This was all the way back. They were teenagers when they made this, and they were men when they made the house that screamed, right? I like that analogy. (laughs) I would say in the EK, though, I'm like, dude, I'm watching this fucking DVD because I have that uh, camp video combo VHS DVD thing, and there's a uh, commentary track with John and Mark on the fucking DVD, and I'm like, holy shit, how do these guys sound exactly the same? Like from this, like you're watching, you know, Splatter Farm. They're probably what, like 19 years old or at, like maybe yeah, something 18, around 19, there, right? For sure. Yeah. They they vocally sound exactly the same. Fucking, you know, 30 years later. Well, not 30 years later. Like 20 something years later. You know, it's fucking insane to me. Most Polonia films that they're both in, I can usually get a good sense of who's who. I have no fucking clue which one I'm looking at throughout this entire film. It's so hard for me. Like this, they look so similar at this age. That's like, I I am fucking at a loss most of the time as to like if I'm looking at either John or Mark. I would say it's EK it's, might know this better. Yeah, I would say it's even worse in uh, Hallucinations, the film that came out before this. Oh, the, yeah, the earlier was, one. 
Yeah, and that's one. I mean, they're 17 in that one, and they look identical. And uh, I was listening to an interview with Mark, and he was saying even at that time, they had a hard time sometimes figuring out who was who, like in photos and stuff, because they oh, look shit. so wow. <laughs> Yeah, well, because later on, when you watch the, you know, by the time you get to How to Slay a Vampire and stuff, you can kind of start to tell them apart a lot easier. But Absolutely. these early films, man, they look, they, they just look and sound identical. It's pretty funny. That, well, they use that to their advantage in the mid '90s with feeders, right? They have the old, the uh, the alien twin scene in feeders, and it's like if you didn't know that these guys were identical twins, your mind would be fucking blown. You'd be trying to figure out how to fucking do this. Like, how did they do this effect? Meanwhile, it's like no, they're they're literally just identical fucking twins, <laughs> and it's and it's weird because, you know you know people that are twins and all that stuff and you can always tell them apart mm-hmm. like very rarely are they this fucking similar looking yeah. and a lot of times the only way that you can tell them apart is like the facial hair right like in some of the movies like you get like oh one has a slightly different mustache or something like that because so they love the fucking mustache so that's like my dad and my uncle Jerry my dad's name's Gary so they're fucking Gary and Jerry <laughs> are you serious? Uh, it's a fucking true story and they're they're identical <laughs> twins and like the only time you could tell them apart is if they have like different uh, like a different mustache or some shit like that it's the only time you could tell them apart I think the other thing that makes it hard to distinguish the Polonia brothers is not only do they look and sound the same, but usually twins, like twins that I've known, have pretty pretty different personalities overall. Like if you get to know them for a little bit, you can tell one's maybe a little shy, one's outgoing. But the problem with them is they both have the same sense of humor and everything. So it's like, <laughs> even in the film, you, you can't tell which one is which because they just seem like they're cut from the exact same cloth in every way. And so it makes it really confusing. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I remember like uh, there was a time when my uh, like my knee or like my cousin was like a fucking baby still. And we did like the whole thing where like my dad was sitting with her and stuff like that. And she thought it was her father and stuff. And then like my uncle walked in the room and like to watch this fucking kid's mind completely just blown in that moment, having no idea like what was going on. It's, it's awesome. Dude, if I would, if I like, and it's, it's one of those probably the reasons why I'm terrified to have children because like growing up my dad was like dude it skips a generation like because like his father's father was a twin and then all this like oh like if you have fucking kids you're gonna have twins dude so like I'm petrified of having kids imagine you have a secret (sighs) twin somewhere dude good lord two of me that's horrifying one day VHS Fest 28 we're gonna show <laughs> the, the fucking the, the evil twin of Grizz it's like the evil Fizz. Bart scenario on like uh, the Treehouse of Horrors where it's actually like the good twin that was supposed to be kept and I'm like the fucking evil oh my one God. Yeah. yeah he's like a fortune 500 fucking yeah, CEO they fucked up Hugo I'm, I'm the fucking Hugo's out there and I'm the fucking Bart fucking things up <laughs> <laughs> Eating the fish heads Eating in the, the fucking, fucking fish heads. <laughs> <laughs> the attic. You know, I was just looking at this uh, release, this camp video thing, and it said that this was from 2007. That's when they did all like the commentary tracks and stuff. Didn't John die in like 2008? Yeah. Later. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. You know what's even crazier? It's like coming up. He was only like 38 or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
And like, it always was like, oh man, like he, he died like really young. But like when you, now that I'm in like my mid-ish thirties, it's like, no, he died like really fucking young. Like yeah. no joke. I'll be 35 next month. And it's like, you just said 38. I'm like, fuck dude. Like that's, that's soon, man. Like I can't, I can't imagine like that's, especially like having a twin. It's gotta be fucking gnarly for the other one. Like I, because there's always that thing about like twins had like that kind of like weird like bond that they have like this like you know not like telekinesis but like they have like this thing where they kind of like you know are able to tell when the other one's in trouble and shit like that so it it has to be like a weird thing when a twin dies and the other one is still around like it's bugging me out thinking about it well especially since they like work together Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they were doing movies. They literally did the, the same shit together. Built on that. Yeah. Have you ever heard but Mark? I, what? Or have you ever heard Mark talk about it? The loss of John. It's, no. It's pretty rough to no. listen to. I can't. Talks, I wouldn't want. Yeah. I wouldn't want to hear that shit. That's 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 got to be know, super tough. The, if you look up their credits, the last one credited uh, to to John was one called Halloween Night that came out in like 2009. And really all that had happened was uh, right before John passed, they had been talking through the concept of that. And that was the next movie they were going to make. And then John just died abruptly. And Mark really struggled with what to do, like to go on or not. And then eventually decided, you know, I got to see this through for him. So they they wrote the film and they finished it. And he said, uh, what's crazier is not only being on set for the first time ever without his his brother, but they had asked an old high school friend to come back to be in the film. And at the end of the film, that guy died too. So he ended up losing one of his high school friends and his brother. And he said to date, like that's the absolute hardest film he's ever gotten through before. Yeah. He probably doesn't watch that movie. I mean, I can't imagine they probably watch a lot of their own films, but that's probably one he doesn't even want to think about. Yeah. I'm not familiar with like the whole scenario. Uh, of how John passed was he sick or was there like an accident it was a heart heart failure of some sort I think if I remember correctly yeah that's fucking you know what's even more fucked up about that that if like you're a twin and your your twin dies of heart failure like that you gotta be concerned you're starting to think yeah like what about me yeah because it's probably you probably have a similar issue going on if you guys are literally identical twins you sound alike you look alike it's kind of scary yeah it's fucked up He's I definitely just probably eating a little us. bit better and probably taking care of himself a little bit <laughs> he, after that. That's dude, for Mark sure. looks good. Yeah. I don't know if you've like seen what he looks like lately. He looks good to me. Look, well, looks strong. I would believe that he is independently wealthy from making all of these movies. So <laughs> <laughs> that's something to believe right there. Uh, oh my God. So Splatter Farm uh, shot on video. Uh, Donna Michelle release around 1987, I think it is. Donna Michelle releasing a ton of fucking weird shit. Uh, Cannibal Camp Out, right? That's a McBride film, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, have, uh, that is. Yeah, that's uh, the connection yep. to the Polonia world. Uh, we also have uh, The Abomination. That was another Donna Michelle. Uh, Great episode on Maniacs. that. Go back and listen to that yep. one. Mm-hmm. We'll never cover Monsters and Maniacs. Fuck that. That's a. But like yeah, we mentioned before, this has got to be like the the grail of the Donna Michelle catalog, right? I mean, you see a lot of the other ones posted a lot. You don't see a lot of the Splatter Farm original posted. No, no. That's probably the one that I've seen the least. And I mean, 
Do we even know anybody that does? Does Creamy have a copy? I'm pretty of this? sure Creamy has the has an original copy. He's the only person that I can think of beast. offhand. What a beast! And anybody else who owns it, I probably don't care for them, so yeah. it's okay. Fuck <laughs> 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 I, I saw that uh, the refrigerator. Well, the attack of the killer refrigerator. That's a Donna Michelle re- uh, release, right? With the hook of Woodland Heights, whatever the fuck it's called. That one just sold for fucking huge money. Yeah. Which is, it's That's, always been sought after, but man, current market, you know, it's unreal. That's all I can say. I'm looking to sell. I'm looking to sell. If you it's want time. my abomination, uh, 1200 bucks. come find me. <laughs> I got to buy a dehumidifier. Deal of the century. Come find me. <laughs> uh, I would definitely say, though, I mean, I uh, the abomination is one of my favorites you know one of my favorite quote-unquote vhs movies and all that shit probably splatter farm would be the number two that i would be trying to find because i mean this movie's fucking insane it's super cool to have we all collect polonia brothers stuff just because we really we enjoy it and uh, i feel like this is uh, uh, yet again, I'll say it again. Quote unquote, this is a grail tape. Mm-hmm. Where if you got this, you're not letting it go. I don't give a fuck what, you know, bullshit is going on. What other hot tape you think you need? This is one where I feel like you're only going to get one chance it's to not get coming it. Up that's again. it at this point. Yeah. 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 It's crazy that that's like a thing now where you have to really be um, like cognizant of am I ever going to have the chance to get this again? Right, like once you let some of these things go into the ether, that's it. And Going then, into the and then you have to stop and think even more. It's just a fucking movie. <laughs> All right, let's everybody remember these are just fucking movies. They're just videotapes. Yeah, well, that's that's because you're just like the average Joe. But when you're wealthy like me, then it, you oh, know. Dude, it that. Speaking of which, how's the new house? Is uh, uh, you know you're yeah. you're settled in a little bit. You liking it? So, oh, yes, uh, the Casa de la Mike, uh, the double cross studio over here, uh, coming into shape. I unfortunately need more shelving units for everything that I have. Typically. Pulling all the tapes out of the boxes, all the stupid fucking wrestling stuff I have. It is quite the undertaking, and it's costing me more money than I thought to finally house (laughs) this shit permanently. It used to always be like in boxes or just stacked and stacked, and like you can't have that shit, you know, just sitting around now. You got room. You got to fill it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Oh, dude, now I got the room. I'm going to make it a fake video. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for stopping yourself. No, no, no. But it, it costs a lot of money to buy these shelves just to house this stuff. But I could finally see my tapes. They're not just, you know, stacked on each other, like triple road back. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I actually got that tape. Hold on. Let me just deconstruct half the room. You can actually <laughs> see what you it. have now, which is probably nice. What did. Oh, when we did Ready to Rumble. I have two copies of that fucking tape. Couldn't even but find because it. because everything... I couldn't find either of them because everything was just fucking stacked and stacked and pushed back. EK always heard about me talking about the closet tapes. Yeah. Like, oh, I got stacks of tapes in my closet. Like, fucking 20 high, like, rows deep and, like, rows across. And it was just all the stuff that, like, may not be worth... You know, a hundred bucks or whatever, fifty bucks. But these were all, you know, the classics. You got you back to the futures in there. You got all the stuff <laughs> that like any I we always talk about this too, Grizz, and actually EK, we talk about this also. 
Like any real VHS collector is gonna have that stuff. You're not just gonna have shit that's worth money. You're gonna have all the bullshit that you collected over the years. You got six copies of Jaws 3 for some reason. Just over the years, it just accumulates. And those were my closet tapes. Every yeah. MCA so now release of Jaws they ever put out, like all oh, fucking yeah. oh, 15 my God. of them. Dude, dude, those early Jaws releases are pretty fucking cool. I love the artwork. I don't know if you... Oh, my God. I love it. The, like, the original Jaws the 3D black. release is good. Yo, the original oh, Jaws. Oh, the super... Like, that original Jaws release on the magnetic with the fucking black... Like, mm-hmm. like the box is black, and then, like, the artwork is, like, silhouetted and, like, a poster on it. Looks so fucking good. I love that. I had the... Was uh, that a magnetic? No, I it was it a... Was ma- it was an MCA. I had the Jaws 2 one of that, the black cover of the two also. And they're, they're oh, sweet. Nice. And uh, it's the, the rainbow MCAs and stuff with a black cover. And I sent it. I have a friend in Florida who's a huge Jaws fan. And he had been after that part two, the original release. And I found it thrifting one day. And I was like, man, as much as I'd love to keep it, it belongs with him. And I sent it down to him. And it, it's a beauty. In real life, it looks cool as hell. Those black boxes are so nice. I know like they did a bunch of releases like that, too. There's like a drag release like that and everything i just love the the fucking black sleeves all those like original releases of stuff and i'm not just saying it because it's the first printing or whatever but as you go back further into vhs production history i feel like it was way simpler like all the all the package designs were way more simple those magnetic ones like phantasm that first magnetic release fucking awesome it's I, just white i think that's why i got him confused because it. like all that magnetic stuff is very clean and it's very just like mm-hmm. the designs are very boxed out and it, it's so nice it's just the movie poster on yeah. like a white fucking box and you know what that works yeah, for me looks great I, I like that shit especially from that time period like it's awesome even like the early mca you know not even that early like those jaws ones but like um Probably what, like Halloween two? That was an MCA, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a, where it's just black. Well, it's with the, the fucking the stereo stripe, the pumpkin. It's the that whole. Yeah. That's my favorite era of MCA is is the stereo stripe era. So you've got uh, Halloween two. Uh, I just found the thing thrifting the hol- the stereo stripe yeah, thing. Yeah, like, the, the thing, the stereo stripe thing is huge deal. Everyone uh, wanted that. Yeah, Funhouse. I think Mike, you've got that one. Like those are cool, man. Those are awesome. Oh yeah, baby. That's the good stuff. It's just, it's simple. It's got that retro design to it. It's like a classic movie. And they're out there. They're not like insanely expensive. You can find them thrifting for sure if you just check your fucking, you know, Goodwills and all that stuff. Really? But they really. Found shit thrifting in like five years. <laughs> <laughs> I should show you the shit at my thrift stores. Well, you know, it's it's persistence, man. Yeah. All, in, in six years, you'll find something worth it. Yeah, and right. you'll be like, you know what? I love this shit. I'm due. <laughs> I haven't had like a video store hit or a good thrift hit in a long time. So yard sale okay, season's you... coming to an end. I got to fucking get out oh. there more. Well, also remember, dude, everybody's going to start emptying their shit before it gets cold. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, let's get the garage cleaned out before it's too cold to do stuff. So you start getting all that all and, moldy garage you know. tapes, baby. Send them out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I wish more people would look for dehumidifiers. Like, yeah. come on. Do you know how humid? Do you know how humid like a room has to be for you to actually grow mold on that fucking tape? <laughs> like insane. It's got to be like 80 percent like or plus, higher, yeah. which is insane. 
which is fucking like a rainforest. You know what I mean? Like you have visual condensation on the fucking walls. That's crazy walls to me. Sweating. Yeah. Oh my god. You can You had a decent thrift find not that long ago, right? The, you got your secret spot that you became friends with the people. I do. Now yeah. They hook you up. Yeah. I well, I was <laughs> I was running around town like every weekend, and I was just blowing through so many hours of gas and time and not finding shit because it's all picked over and then i thought you know what i'll do is just focus on the one shop that's local that i know they put out vhs it's right by my house on my way to work and i developed a friendship with the dude who does the media cart and he knows my time i go there at a very specific time and he waits till i arrive and he wheels it out and i get first dibs and you know i would say i look almost every day and i never find anything but when i do man it's like it fucking it makes it all worth it like the last good find i had was two months ago when I found that MCA stereo stripe thing and it's in like mid condition, man, that made two months worth of looking and not finding anything worth it. Cause that's a sweet tape. Oh, yeah. And then before that, uh, he just wheeled out some bullshit and on the cart was, um, you know, that what's it? It's, I don't think it's shot on video. Actually it might be, it's called stakes. And I think Don Doler was involved in it, but that's a pretty crazy. Oh, I'm yeah, sure Grizz 90, at some point like- you had one. Yeah, it's like a late 90s, maybe yep. even 2000, uh, like, vampire film. It's actually yeah. pretty good. I, yeah, the- I, I actually liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And of course it was I sitting did. It's there. a fucking 90s vampire movie. It was sitting there with a copy of uh, Demon Rage and a copy of Axe, which is called, uh, here in the States, it's called, like, California Axe Massacre or something like that. Yeah. But I found the Canadian, the OG Canadian release, and they were all just sitting there for, you know, nice one. a buck a piece. You know, that's the thing, dude. Cake Stan, you're constantly getting these fucking deals <laughs> that blows my mind. Like, even on eBay and shit, dude, you you have, like, a horseshoe up your ass sometimes when it comes to finding these things. And it, it, unlike anybody else I know, honestly. So, uh, Godspeed, sir. Man. Godspeed. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he's not like us where we just get fucking sick of it and we're like, fuck it, I'll I just spend going. the money. Yeah. yeah, fuck it, I'm just gonna buy it. Yeah. He's fucking... He's consistent, persistent, and he's got that fucking horseshoe up his ass. So there we go. I look like it. I got that he look will. on my face. <laughs> <laughs> he will find that Donna Michelle splatter farm soon enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't One know. Day. We'll see how many made it out west. Yeah. <laughs> find it on eBay I mean, for 15 I sh- bucks. And I'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Dude, it happens, man. If anybody's going to find it, it's going to be me here in Pennsylvania. It's got to be here. It's true. Pretty good odds. <laughs> Honestly, you know, like the, the worst fucking odds. Like the Northeast is the most picked over picked area over. you can imagine in the States. If you live up here, good fucking luck, dude. Yeah. What would you say is the worst? I, I would say New York City is picked completely gone. Oh, dry. Like picked yeah. over like a motherfucker. Um, obviously, Philly is picked over pretty much. Um, New Jersey, I feel like, is pretty picked over too. It's the same crowd from New York, and like it's a, it's that tri city area where it's like you're gonna, or like New York, New Jersey, you know, New Jersey, Philadelphia, all those like that area is is fucking destroyed by anybody that lives in those cities. If I lived in Philly, I would go to New York to look for tapes all day. It's not that far of a drive, so 
Yeah, it makes sense. It's all in Chicago. You know. Look, the Midwest is completely fucking picked now. There's so many. So I don't know, dude. There. Bruce. Yeah. Bruce is burning through these collections well, that's now. What He's I'm saying finding. they're fucking completely picked now because yeah. motherfuckers <laughs> like Bruce. <Because> Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about thrifting out west is that you've still got a lot of land to cover because the thing about the west is. There's cities, but there's so many tiny little towns that nobody is fucking driving through. And so what yeah. I can do is hop on the road and drive two, three hours out of town and find some tiny little town that still had leftovers of an old video store. And because nobody's really looking in those towns, sometimes you get lucky. I mean, that's my last big video store haul was in the town of like 5,000, 10,000. It still had an original video Jesus. store. And You're I walked in and I right. said... Uh, do you have any VHS? And she said, yeah, they're all still sitting in the back. I just haven't sold them in 10 years. And I walked back there and they were all in boxes and I got anything I wanted. Uh, but it also took me, you know, driving out in the middle of nowhere to finally find that town. And you know, the thing I've learned about with those situations over the years of picking is when you get to these small towns, uh, a lot of times they didn't have a fucking like a dedicated video store where it's like, oh, I'm going to go rent movies at the fucking family video or some shit. They would have like, oh, the local hardware store also has a fucking video section. <laughs> yeah. Or like, yeah. oh, the local fucking meat man, for some reason, has a whole wall of tapes that you can go and rent. So like, if you get into these small towns, you got to start asking people, hey, where did you fucking rent tapes when you were younger? Yeah. Or, you know, who had videotapes around here and shit? You would be so surprised at some of the businesses that I've bought in tapes from that driving through a town you'd be like fuck this this town is completely empty there's no there's no video stores here mm -hmm. but there's a ton of fucking tapes there yep we're, we're giving away gold is, here man. people you're fucking up if you're not listening <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's why i'm hoping i i do pretty well over here because uh i'm in the land of retirement i guess you could say oh. and i don't know how many vhs collectors are actually in this general area so maybe just maybe young buck i'm huh? the only weirdo out here still doing <laughs> yeah in my 30s i'm the youngest one around right Everyone's actually no golf no. Carts in your <laughs> no no dude i i went to target yes there is a target out here it's two targets actually and uh I walk in, and this is maybe the first week that you know I was here, and I see a dude like around my age wearing the fuck fear Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, and I'm like, okay, welcome home. Things are gonna be all right. Yeah, things are gonna be all right. Welcome home. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's let's talk a little bit about Splatter Farm. A little bit of an introduction before we get into this. Directed by John Polonia, Mark Polonia, and Todd and Michael Smith who actually played the vampire in How to Slay a Vampire, right? That was him. Yeah, right? Count Francis. There you go. So we have another uh, connection to something that we fucking love. Uh, written by John, Mark, and Todd. Starring John, Mark, and Todd. And Todd's grandma, mm -hmm. I think that was, yep. right? Who plays the aunt. And she's hey. also in uh, How to Slay a Vampire. <laughs> oh, yeah, she is. She's, that's, that's probably the the best part of the movie i think her name is ingrid Rottencrotch or something like that <laughs> boy was i was i happy to learn looking at the credits that she was not a polonia family member that yeah. had to do oh some of these God. scenes because at first that was i was like 
this is a fucking uncomfortable. But I was like, oh, it's just some other sexy old lady. No worries. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Apparently, they had to like lie to her. Like, they would be like, oh, like, uh, I need you to look over here. Like, you're really hungry, and there's like a fucking nice cooked ham. And, it's and she would do polonia so, wiener. Make, That's awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, dude, he's hung like a horse, too. Did you notice I mean, that? I, yeah. I assumed, honestly. <laughs> Uh, filmed in Wellsboro, Pennsylvania. Grizz, that's actually closer to you, I think, than me. Yeah. That's like... Right? That's like northern PA? Yeah. That's like northwestern PA. I think it's on my side of the the, the world. Yeah, that... It looks extremely, like, out there. Very rural. Farm country. There's horses and shit. I mean, there's horses by me, but this looks like it's really out there. And apparently that's Todd's family's farm. It's grandparents or somebody. It was. It's no longer there. So we'll get to it later. But when you watch the sequel that they made, Mark was saying, you know, that farm doesn't exist anymore. So they had to try and find a place that looks similar. But they all they all knew each other growing up and they all lived out in the middle of nowhere. And that's why they could get away with all this bullshit. Like Mark talked about growing up out in the middle of a farm that when you watch things, their early, early films, They've got actual shotguns that they're blowing up heads and stuff with because they can get away with that. You know, nobody's nobody's going to call the cops because they're out in the middle of nowhere. So at like 14, 15, yeah, they're running around with shotguns, blowing things up and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Two two guys you wouldn't take as country boys. No, they don't have that look to them. So I don't know if you guys looked too much into this uh, Todd Michael Smith character at all. (laughs) <laughs> he's he's recently done a film that I am interested in seeing now, and I don't know if you guys have also seen the cover that I've uh, that I'm uh, thinking. I of definitely here. know the one you're talking about. <laughs> a movie called The Writers, and I, I just okay like the whole thing is it's the most controversial horror film of all time is like the tagline of this film. And it's basically just like, I, I think it's that way because it has two like middle-aged naked men like hugging on the cover of it. <laughs> and he was like persistent about this being the cover. He was like, no, this is it. And then I guess he got like butthurt when like ad agencies and like buses wouldn't like put it up on their like ad signs and shit. <laughs> it's like, dude. Oh my God. Yeah. It's very provocative. It I'll lo- say that. It looks like... Uh, like a Microsoft Paint, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what are they, the collage yeah. of pictures in the background? With a lot of man them like, yeah, it's superimposed. It looks like it's from 1998. I don't know why it does, it's, it's 2011, which is the best part about it. It's so good. We're going to have to watch this. Maybe we could maybe we could find this and we'll, we could do an episode we'll do a on Patreon it. on the writers and see what it's all about. <laughs> Yeah, go Google the writers 2011 and let us know what you think. (laughs) Um, Okay, so like EK mentioned, there was a sequel to this. 2020, uh, Return to Splatter Farm. Uh, We'll get into that one a little bit later. Uh, (laughs) Slightly not as good, but I appreciate the effort and I watched it, but you know, we'll compare maybe later it's at the end. a different beast. We'll say mm. that. Yeah. How, how can you do Splatter Farm without John? You can't. Come on. You can't. Or Todd. I mean, they don't live. Well, yeah. Well, spoiler alert. They don't live through the movie, but still. Uh, it's just not the same. Well, Todd does. So. And, and I, he, but he died. Everybody's dead. They're. 
Mark's the only one from that original cast that's still alive. Wait, Todd's dead too? Yeah, he's dead, man. That's why when they went to make Return to Splatter Farm, he was worried about it because he said, John's dead, Todd's dead, Marion, the grandma. I mean, they're all dead. So it was kind of like you had to start from scratch. Jesus, really? What the fuck? Sad world. Uh, see, I don't see his. I don't see his death date on here. Yeah, I just see. Oh wow, born September 11th. Look at that. Oof. That's why at the beginning, when you watch it at the beginning, it says dedicated to, and it's all three of those names because they're all dead. And then, as Mark said, it was that some dude that he works with got the idea to do the sequel and brought him the script. And he was like, why are you writing a sequel to Splatter Farm? And then read it. <laughs> and when he read it, he thought, well, hell, you know, this is kind of cool, actually. Let's make it. And that's that's how it got going. So pretty wild. When I was looking through all these, I didn't realize that there was a Feeders 3. Hasn't come out yet. It's been done. Oh, no? yeah, but it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Do you know Do you know why? Are they looking for distribution, maybe? I couldn't find anything on it. And I also know that John McBride doesn't reprise his role, that they like tried to get a hold of him, and he just wouldn't return calls. So he's not in the, the new one. Oh, but, it's, uh, but it's there. It's got a poster and everything. And, it, you know, it's I can't wait to see what they do with it. Maybe we can do a, a laser grave slash bad taste video distribution of Feeders 3. <laughs> We're all over it. Get on that. <laughs> that, would be, that would be a dream come true. Yeah. Okay, a so laser uh, taste let's... release. <laughs> bad graves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it. Is that a band? That sounds like a good band. It should be, right? <laughs> it's our future band is what it is. It's a really <laughs> shitty yeah, Misfits yeah. cover band. <laughs> oh, oh <my> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's hit the trailer and we'll get into this fucking movie. Oh, my God. Ladder farm. I don't know how to fuck the gold. <laughs> what, a, what a ridiculous fucking name for a movie. Uh, what was the original name for this? They had a different name to begin with. I feel like. Um, oh man, I can't think of it right now, but it will come to me. It was they. Are, oh, the degenerates. Oh, oh really? that was the original like name. No. no, I like Splatter Splatter farm. Farm. No. Yeah, they they made a good decision changing that. Splatter Farm just sounds like a late '80s shot on video movie, right? You know what I mean? Like something that you there's no way you're seeing this in a movie yeah. theater. This like, is something that you're gonna rent at Pathmark or something. It's like video like, violence and like blood cult. Like it has that same yeah. like 
that feeling that those those like names invoke. Two two word names. Yeah. You need the two word name, right? <laughs> I also think that uh, Splatter Farm has probably the most Polonia esque tagline of any of their films. Do you Old remember McDonald it? had a oh. farm. E I E I ouch. It is so fucking ridiculous. What what do you think came first, the movie or the tagline? Oh god. Oh, it, you know, in them, it would it probably was a fucking tagline like that. It whole built the entire film around. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you guys feel like this movie is probably the most not I'm not gonna say out there because that's definitely the feeders of Saurians fucking movies. Oh Saurian, good lord. But like yeah. but like do you think this is the most uh, not a I don't want to say offensive, but like the one that really rides the line. Do you feel like this is this True is splatter that movie film. for them? Well, I'm not even saying like the, on the gore front, but like there's a ton of fucked up shit in this, this movie. Is easily, oh, you, mean, like, you know, fucking you know. a decapitated head, like that kind of stuff. You're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then yeah. yeah this is probably that, that the one that pushes the line the farthest <laughs> in that regard, for sure. Uh, no doubt for me. This is this is Splatter Farm is totally in a different league compared to all the other Polonia. And I've seen quite a few now, and I've nothing. Nothing even kind of comes close to being this over the top with all, and not just like one scene, but just scene after scene after scene. And so I would say that the only one that comes a close second, surprisingly, because we all love it, is uh, How to Slay a Vampire, you know? And I think that some of the shots in there are a little weird too. Otherwise, no, they're all just kind of pretty normal, goofy films. But th- this film in particular is, I mean, they came out, they came out pretty bold with some of these scenes. <laughs> they're, they're something. Uh, I got to say, I, I got a feeling that it probably had a lot to do with Todd Michael Smith, because based on his current yeah. work, <laughs> he was a little freaky, if you know what I'm saying. Grizz, so, I think that too. I think Grizz found yeah. his new favorite guy. I'm in love with Todd Michael Smith. <laughs> I'm watching the writers three times over the next week just to make sure I don't miss anything. I know, Grizz, <laughs> I think you're onto something, because I thought that too. When I was looking at the Polonia's filmography, the two that stood out as being the kind of most cringy were... Splatter Farm and, and how to slay a vampire, and those are the two that he's most directly involved in, and his yeah, grandma dude. is in too. I mean, in hallucinations, but that doesn't really come into play. These maybe, are, yeah, maybe the grandma is really raunchy, <laughs> <laughs> and like he's just like grandma, I don't want to do this, and she's like, dude, eat the tampon, goddamn it, you know. So it's like I feel like that's really the scenario. At least in my heart, that's how I feel. Oh gosh! Dude, how do you how do you come to somebody's grandma and say, okay, you're gonna drug this uh, this mustachioed teenager here, <laughs> and then up. pretend to have sex with her, uh, have sex with them, and then like they have a shot not only of the covers moving but her, her. Like, face up under the cover, like oh oh dude, oh, oh. I like, never you can see I, she's having a great time. Not in a million years did I expect that to happen like i expected the scene to continue with them like the sex scene just being like oh here's a blanket shot knowing she was nowhere near but then when she's fucking under the blanket i'm like how did they convince her to do this shit this is amazing 
Dude. Dude, that's Ingrid Rottencrotch, man. man. <laughs> she gets it. My favorite, favorite scene out of her in Splatter Farm, because, you know, Mike, you were saying earlier how they were kind of lying to her for some of the scenes, you know, like, oh, just look this way. Yeah. One of the scenes that she definitely could not have been lied to because she had to know what was going on, and it's my, like favorite, is when she sticks her hand in the zipper of the corpse of her dead corpse, like, body oh my god and she pulls out a pile of ashes and she goes i'm so lonely <laughs> yeah <laughs> she like drops it <laughs> at like some point in the beginning she like grabs mark or john's arm and then starts caressing his leg with yeah. her foot like oh we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to know each other real well like we're gonna really have fun she had there was to have <laughs> known that there oh, was yeah. like some kind of relationship like vibe going on between these these like kids and her it's just so fucking weird Hey, man, I, I'm just really, really happy that she was a good sport and that she went along with all this shit. Oh, amazing. I don't think I could have convinced my grandmother to do any of this. Never mind, like, the twisted shit that they make her do. Even her ending, oh, like, gosh. her demise yeah. at the end. Like, hey, Grandma, uh, can like you a, just do this? <laughs> you think that's like a, a working vagina? Or you think that's a shoot vagina? You think it's real? You think that's it, a working yeah. Dude, that was definitely Mark or John or fucking, I don't know. Like, they, there's no way that they uh, had... I'm rarely at a loss yeah. for words. <laughs> But this this scene at the end where they uh, basically have uh, just it's like a fake what? TNT. Why don't you, I guess. Yeah, bring it it's down like for us. Why don't you explain to people what happens here at the end while we're at, we're, we're already talking about it? So give give them the details. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't give a fuck about continuity nah. or fucking <laughs> anything like that. So Jeremy, who's Todd Michael Smith's character, he's like a farmhand i guess you could mm -hmm. say he is basically having his total breakdown at the end and he shoves a, like a tinfoil wrapped piece of tnt i yeah, guess it yeah. is <laughs> right in uh in aunt lacy's vagina and it blows her the fuck up and like it, it it looks like they used a real piece of tnt when the explosion happens because that was a very violent explosion but I don't think that they uh, actually used Marion Costley, the <laughs> woman who plays Aunt Lacey. I don't think she was anywhere near that scene. Probably no. uh, said, let's let's cut uh, right before we start sticking things in. I'll tell you, though. <laughs> so keep in mind, not only is that that ending insane, just the whole idea of it. But that's her real life grandson pretending to stick TNT up his grandma's crotch <laughs> in real life. Yeah. Like that's how fucked up this oh, is. I mean, to be God. fair, he asked if if she would be okay with it first, and like she was like, you know, up until a point. But then you gotta get the you gotta get the fucking working pussy because I'm not doing it with the real deal. So <laughs> she was that cool though. She was gonna go through with it. I hear. So this is supposed so. You know, we said Aunt Lacey, who's the owner of this property. She's supposed to be the aunt of the Polonia brothers, who we can't tell the difference in this movie. So it's impossible for us to say yeah. who's who. Uh, they go through some shit during this trip. They have some extremely fucked up hallucinations slash dreams. 
and then extremely fucked up stuff happens to them throughout this time thanks to jeremy todd michael smith's character now i was mentioning i had chinese food before and <laughs> i was awaiting uh for it to come back either you know out of my mouth or out of my ass and that <laughs> reminded me of a scene from this movie where john or mark and or mark could have been both you don't know when they were filming this shit they have a dream that they shit out a fucking knife mm-hmm. bro and it is an incredibly gory scene it's fucking disgusting oh and then he vomits his fucking intestines out like it's the gates of hell what the fuck was that scene can anybody explain to me why he shits out a knife first of all the concept of shitting out a whole butcher's knife (laughs) is just it hurts my brain and when i when i saw it i was like man i don't like this this is not something i enjoy and then he (laughs) he fucking pulls his like drawers up he's got his fucking crusties all the way up and just like all of this fucking like thick pudding style bloody goop is like pouring out of his underwear dude it's it was like honestly a scene that i was like man this is really fucking gross it's hard to gross me out but i was like oh man i i have to look away almost because this is like i i kind of want pudding too so it it was just like a really weird dynamic it was they do a lot of weird things to me EK, can you explain this scene to me? Like, is there a rhyme or reason behind there this? There is, actually. This scene um, is lifted entirely. The the, to- the whole toilet knife shitting scene all the way through the intestines comes from their previous movie, Hallucinations, which at this point when Splatter Farm came out had not been released. So Hallucinations didn't get a proper release until years later. So they were sitting on all this footage and had nothing to do with it. And it's obviously pretty gnarly stuff. So when Splatter Farm was being made, they just cut in an entire chunk of hallucinations into Splatter Farm. That's awesome. So when you watch Hallucinations, it's all about like what it says. It's about them having all these visions and dreams and stuff like that. So in, in the context of that movie, it makes a lot more sense. But in Splatter Farm, it's just a weird nightmare out of the middle of nowhere. <laughs> And I'll, so there's like two of them in this movie, right? Because like in the beginning, he has a dream also. Yeah. So is that also from Hallucinations? No, just the, the knife scene and then the intestine scene that comes right after. And uh, and then I'll, I'll take it a step further, which is funny, is if after Splatter Farm, they did a film called Lethal Nightmare. And what that is, is a almost a shot for shot um, remake of Hallucinations. But instead of being shot on video, they shot it all on Super 8. And so it's pretty wild because you're going to get to get that scene a third time in a row. So (laughs) if you work your way through the Polonia catalog, you will see one of them shitting out a knife three times in a row between three films. (sighs) Oh, my God. That, that is, is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. I I love that fucking shitting out the knife. It's just it's so weird so to me. Wild. And the fact that they thought to put this in the movie, like that's even better. It just makes zero sense, especially in the context of the film. Yeah. But it's awesome. I love it. It's it's a uh, very visceral a, scene, man. Uh, yeah. it, I don't. It's like one of those scenes that definitely like kind of like I said, it made me uncomfortable. But I think for me. The, the I guess when he's like a camper or like the woodsman's death that's the one that like really just kind of like oh, it's so good it's over the top 
mm-hmm. things that he does to the corpse after the fact. It, I think that is like one of the, the best scenes in the movie. Is that when he beheads the guy out in the woods mm-hmm. and then uses the head? Yep. To yeah. He's got the fillet himself. <laughs> he, and then like, what a, he, I love the, my, my favorite part of it though is like after like he fucking decapitates the the camper or whatever. Oh, oh my god! He licks the fucking bloody stump like it's like the gnarliest concept. I just like this is so fucking cool and unique. It just seems so original. Well, how about after he uses the head on himself? He like licks the mouth of the head. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> did you notice that? Gives himself a snowball after. That's fucking nice, right? Oh man, <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> There's a ton of crazy shit like that in the movie, like when he's got John or Mark tied, well, chained or whatever to that rack. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. my that's god, a, that like that's, that's a lot. <sighs> yeah, with the shit and everything. Oh with my the god. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that Splatter Farm, in the sense of like grand scheme of Polonias, uh, I think is maybe the the most you can ask from somebody <laughs> like if you show them feeders or you show them something fun like that, like they can roll with it and they can go, okay, I get it. You know, it's goofy. It's over the top. But if you show them splatter farm, like they may never want to watch another Polonia film again. Whereas with feeders, they True. may be really inclined to watch another one. This is kind of like it's for a great point. You know, you gotta, you gotta work your way into splatter farm. Well, dude, this was like, if you think about it, by the time feeders came out, Things were a little bit lighter by then. It was like the mid-90s, you know? This was the late 80s where, like, look at the shit that you're fucking competing against and the stuff that they were watching that was still fresh. You know, like, 87, dude, Killing Spree is 1987. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, this is right in line with fucking a movie like that where it's just so fucking twisted, so out there, so weird. Like, it doesn't make sense, but it's enjoyable. This, you know, this is like the peak time period for, I'm not going to say shot on video because we, we know that the peak time period for shot on video is the early 90s. That is. Uh, But this is like really when people are starting to take it further and further and further and like, exactly. And like, can you believe this got a fucking, (laughs) like a distribution deal? Imagine. So wasn't Donna like, Michelle like the company that would just like put like uh, flyers in the back of porn magazines looking for movies being like, hey, if you got fucking horror movies, send them in. We're looking for movies to distribute. And I think that's how they found a lot of stuff like Splatter Farm and shit like that was like, you know, you're back of your hustlers and your fucking, you know, magazines like that back in the day. I knew that they there was something weird about their whole thing where like they would distribute if you paid for the movie they would distribute it for you yeah something like that where like they weren't going to give you any move like any money to make it but if you had something they would say if you bought it they would put it out that's why smart because that's why lethal nightmare never got an official release in the day because donna michelle was supposed to release it and they went under before they could get it done but they had signed on and said yeah we'll put out your next film after splatter farm and then didn't get to, and that's why that film never saw the light of that day for sucks. years. Dude, I mean, is it surprising that Donna Michelle <laughs> yeah, went right. under it? No, not at all. Especially the, the, what we just talked about. What I like for me I mean, when, when I watch this movie, what it what it kind of reminds me of is maybe like the Polonia. <coughs> oh, sorry. 
when I watched this movie, what it reminded me of is kind of like the Polonia's like love letter to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of feels like that like backwoodsy, just like some of like the the shots of like the the body parts and like the barn and stuff like that, where they're doing that like long pan of all the different decapitated heads and like it looks real gritty and gnarly. It just kind of gave that like same sensibility to me as like the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre did. So I definitely like picked up. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it definitely felt like it was uh, influenced in some way by it. So I know that the first scene of them kind of pulling up to the farm where they run over the roadkill, that was 100% trying to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. But there was a ton of stuff that they did in this movie that was like basic. I'm not going to say ripped off, but like homages to other Mm -hmm. movies. And dude, they even mention in the commentary when they were like, yeah, you know, I'm wearing the, uh, a Niagara Falls, Canada shirt yeah, I saw and stuff. That. He, he, they said like, oh, we wanted people to think that maybe it was a Canadian film. <laughs> and the reason why they thought that was because, or they had that idea at least, is because of the fucking Emerald Jungle. Fucking, the, the, the fucking Lindsay cannibal movie. They're like, yeah, that like it was like a similar deal to that. Like we just saw that and we we heard that it was made in Canada. <laughs> what the fuck? That's I, hilarious. Dude, yeah, when they brought up fucking the Emerald Jungle on the commentary track, I was like, wow, these guys could be related to me. Like, this is great. <laughs> and that think but, that's like the uh, thing that's pretty apparent though in, in a lot of the Polonia films is that like these were the kids that were like deep diving. These were the dudes uh-huh. that were like, you know, these were horror fans that were like beyond your let's go to the fucking Friday night matinee and see Friday the 13th. You know, these were the dudes that got it. The Fangoria subscribers that wanted to know every fucking detail about everything. Like, this is what I feel like uh, people like us would have been like if we were uh, able to experience that, like, you know, early 80s horror, you know, uh, timeline and stuff. Yeah. Legit tape traders. And keep in mind, too, that, uh, you know, this was when they were making this, they were like 17, 18 years old. So that's why they're trying to directly mimic what they're watching. And in real time, to put it into like the context of the era, I think it was in Hallucinations, which they would have been 17 at the time. This would have been 86, 87. If I remember correctly, in one of the bedrooms on the wall is a is a poster for Return of the Living Dead, which what came out in 86, mm-hmm. right? So... They just went and saw it. They found a way to get a poster. They from, have a poster. Yeah. And they're <laughs> yeah. making a movie the very next year. They're trying to make their own horror movie. This is like in the thick And they thick live of in it. the middle of fucking nowhere, yeah. which is even crazier. That Like you just said, they were able to get their fucking hands on a poster. And they live in East Bumfuck, Pennsylvania. Yep. So here's a question I have. Uh, more so for EK, because he's a film guy. He is an artist. When you were 17, you know, or 18 years old, could you come up with something and actually produce something like this? I'm, or do you think it really took like, uh, like these guys actually had something going on, like the drive and all that shit? It, it seems like it would be very difficult at that age. I think what's crazy for me is I was I was definitely making short films at this age with my friends too you know and they were like legit you know short films horror films shot on video stuff but we were just having fun I think the difference that elevates the Polonia brothers is that A they had each other so if I had a brother who was like ready to go at any hour of the day they were talking about they'd be out there at 2am in the morning firing off shotguns like if I had a friend (laughs) who was like dude if you agree to make a film with me we'll make it 
I guarantee you I would have made a feature length film at 17, but nobody had that. This is this is something that's unique to twins. Then I think that's why it stands out is that it was the perfect situation, the perfect combination to say, well, everybody else is doing short films. It's time for us to make a feature film. And that's what they did. So I don't know, man, like looking back at Splatter Farm, they were so self-aware of what they were doing. They knew why they were doing it. They knew the audience they were trying to target. And these are fucking teenagers, man. They were they were skipping school to try and finish Splatter Farm. I, that's unreal to me. And I think that if I had a partner who was willing to like push me equally, maybe. But I don't know anybody at 17 who was going to just drop everything and say, no matter what, we're making a feature film. And that's why it got made. Like, I do think it stands out. I, I agree. I'm going to have to speak to, I'm going to have to speak to Mariah now. I'm going to say, what the fuck were you doing? Why weren't you pushing <laughs> She was in my early film. She, I got her puking up a, a, a little embryo baby in white sands covered in blood when she was, nice. six, she was 16 years old and we're out in white sands having, having her spitting up babies. Yeah. No, sh- I love that. <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right with that, what you were saying though, because like, even in some of like the, the shots in the beginning, where you get these opening montages of uh, of, the, of the Todd Smith character, and like it's it's just kind of like smart camera work for seventeen year olds. You get these like cool shots of like the windows with like blood spraying up on them and stuff, things that are just very artistic. Their their sense of framing a scene mm-hmm. is so beyond what it should be for fucking two Pennsylvania seventeen year olds. Like there is some like there's a there's a part where like the helping hand kid there he like puts a a fucking pitchfork down and the camera it's it's very like peter jackson kind of Mm -hmm. like framing of a scene before fucking peter jackson was even probably on their radar so like it's just i think you're absolutely right that they were probably pushing each other and they had this unique ability to be uh 17 to have the the camera that they needed to have the the drive and to have the free time that they were able to have and, and like the same thing to have the access to the farm and stuff like that these were all uh, a perfect ingredient list mm-hmm. that i think went in to to the polonia's career honestly well i'll agree with that except for when you can actually see the autofocus go <laughs> off <laughs> you, see, you see the scene focus <laughs> well, but even so like i mean at, at 17 would you even have like the fucking the peace of mind to to think oh, about no. some of the framing and stuff like that that they have so it's it's pretty now dude they it's one thing to have the idea it's one it's another thing to execute it and, and execute it may well. not have been original yeah well it may not have been like original ideas but you know they may have been lifted from other movies that they've seen or whatever it's still pretty fucking hard to, you know, do things like that, to mimic it in a way where it actually comes across as somewhat of a motion picture. You know what I mean? Like, people have to remember, we're talking about a shot on video movie from the 80s. It's not going to be, you know, it's it's not going to look perfect no matter what no matter who's making it i've seen you know what i mean i've it's, seen shot on video movies that people have tried to make over the past few years with like old camcorders and fucking spencer's body parts and shit they don't look anything near as good as splatter farm does even with today's technology and all that shit there's something just authentically real about the way this feels about the way it looks about the time period that you just can't you can't recapture and you can't recreate 
grabbing a camera now and being like, oh, I'm going to make a fucking shot on video horror movie. It's just, it's, it's yeah. past to me. All this new stuff doesn't work. The thing that I also think about that makes Splatter Farm stand out is that these these guys were kids. They got their first camcorder. They got a, a Super 8 when they were 12 years old, and they were already shooting short films and developing them and doing silent films. Then they got a camcorder. They had their sister drive them to the library to get books on how to do films and how to write scripts. Then they get their buddy Todd from high school to say, do you want to make a film with us too? Three high schoolers teach themselves how to use a camera, edit, do music, write scripts and everything. Keep in mind though, they're not doing it watching 20, 30 years worth of shot on videos that have come before them. What's, yeah, what came exactly. before them? Sledgehammer? Blood Cult? I mean, they've got nothing to go off of. Yeah. This is Bullshit. this is the ground level and from 17 year olds and 18 year olds, like that's what blows my mind. Well, also we have the ability to go on the internet now and look up all these fucking movies and watch them online, this and that, whatever. We have books now that are complete compendiums of shot on video, of low budget, of just any horror movies. Like, I have tons of books on, you know, just Italian horror movies. Right. Never mind, you know, shot on video books that I have. Just Tempe video fucking releases. These guys were doing it at a time where, like we said last week on the episode, you had to know somebody that knew somebody that knew somebody that was going to inform you about these fucking movies. Yeah. Even to go find like a Fulci zombie film, you had to know somebody that has, that already saw that movie and told you to go see it because the average video store was not carrying that mm -hmm. shit. Same with so like you Blood had Call. to go find like you it. You were just saying like, you oh know, my God, Blood Call dude, being one of the only imagine? other shot on video movies you can compare to. Good luck finding Blood Cult in 86 yeah. in middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Dude, go find Sledgehammer in 86. Yeah. Because you know what? I could tell you that there's not many releases of that fucking movie out there. I mean, maybe that original release was, you know, there was a high number of distributed copies, but I could tell you that they didn't last that long because I never saw one in a video store. And, you know, we were regulars. We were always getting yeah. stuff. And they didn't have any... Dude, what was that Mondo one? The, mm -hmm. the second print? Right. Yeah, second you know? one. Like that's that's fucking crazy to me. Even Blood Cult, you had Slasher that release. That was our that was fucking twenty years yeah. later. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was a long time after that. Maybe not twenty, maybe like around fifteen. But still, you had to really, really want to watch and do this shit at that time period in 1986, 1987. And for a bunch of kids to do it, the fuck out of here, man. That's fucking awesome. That's that's real shit right there. That's why I feel like the Polonia brothers and um, you know McBride and all that. Like, dude, it's just it's just got a different aura around it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Especially from that time period, like Cannibal Campout, not the best movie, but you know what? It's fucking. It's a great mm -hmm. watch. Yeah. I enjoy it once a year. I can put it so. in and enjoy it for sure. It's the same thing with yeah. any of these Polonia well, dude. films. I'm not gonna watch, you know, Splatter Farm again this year probably. But sometime next year, dial it up. It's gonna be just as fun to watch yeah. as it was this year. What are you What are you talking about? We watch Feeders too every Christmas now. <laughs> well, that's yeah, once a year. Every every that's a Christmas. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the new. That's the new one. <laughs> that was probably the most surprising movie because. Like, Feeders 1 is basically a straight horror film. 
right? Like an alien yeah, type. Pretty straightforward. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then feeders too. They go like a completely different direction. Amazing. Like, e- like EK, you could show that to your kids. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's not even like it's fucking. And I feel like that's kind of like where the Polonias hit their stride with what people think of when they think of Polonias. They they have a combination of, you know, handmade, uh, do it yourself. You know, um, all practical effects. And that's the other thing we we're talking about the combination of Splatter Farm. Like, how did they get to this point of being able to make films like this so consistently and knock out film after film that's equally enjoyable? And they just kind of divvied up the parts. You know, I, I've always wondered this, and I finally figured it out after listening to a couple interviews. Is of the two brothers, who was responsible for for what roles? Like, they didn't both do everything. They divvied up the parts. True. And I was really surprised to find out. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. And then knowing that, it makes sense why Mark's films don't feel like Polonia Brothers films is because John filled a void in those early films that was uniquely his job on those movies that no longer was there after his death. And it's, it shows. I'm glad you said that because it's, it's something that I have noticed because I have tried to watch some of these recent, uh, you know, Polonia releases. They don't feel the same. Uh, and, and all the ones that I've watched are, are since, uh, since the passing of the brother. So it, it 100% takes a little bit of the, the 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 spark it takes a little bit of like what makes these films so unique away when uh, when when both pieces of the puzzle aren't aren't, aren't there mm-hmm. it's, it's a kind of a, it's a crazy concept man it's really weird mark still does all the music right for these movies uh, he kind of gets people to help out he gets licensed music i mean i think he just throws anything and everything he in he can in there but that was never his main role it was that they wrote together but Mark was more of the director and the camera operator, the cinematographer. And John was in charge of the practical effects and the makeup and stuff like that. So that's why when you're watching Virus Shark or Deadly Playthings, these newer films, they're fun, but they don't have that Blood Red Planet feel or the bad magic feel like those those special effects ah, and those bad magic so good bad magic's probably a top three polonia film for me and it sh- it just shows that that can't be replicated later because that was john's job was figure out how to do the special effects for this film and he did and once that's gone i'm not gonna take anything away from mark i'm so glad he's still working i'm still enjoying his film oh, absolutely but you can tell yeah. that his brother had a unique uh, eye for certain things that gave it that distinct Polonia Brothers feel, you know, like that's I, why you get what you get. And I think that's uh, it's a testament to, you know, special effects being a true art form, you know, because like with any any other artist, it's it's unique and there's a signature to it. So without you could have anybody else come in and into Mark's films and do the special effects, but it's not going to feel the mm-hmm. way it did when John was doing it, because that it's like, you know, John has a special touch that makes it feel special, that makes it feel like the Polonia universe that you're in. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just kind of cool how, like, I never really thought of that before, how like even in special effects artwork, it, it really truly is individual uh, artists expressing themselves in that way. Really fucking interesting. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine watching uh, Clash of the Titans without Ray Harryhausen doing the special effects, but somebody else Absolutely. wouldn't be the same no, film, like, you know? If- Absolutely not. That's probably one of the best fucking movies ever made, by the way. <laughs> I forgot that you're fucking, you're all about Dude, that I'm, shit, I have right? a huge 
fucking Clash of the Titans boner. God damn it, dude. That movie fucking rules. Yeah, previously the Graves episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the old one is so goddamn good. That is my childhood. Yeah. Cheech and Chong and Clash of the fucking Titans. Yep. Sign me up. Well, well, dude, think, you know, you were saying about the special effects and all that stuff. Like, even think about the, like, Fulci stuff. Like, the Fulci's, like, Zombie 2. Zombie, right? Right. Giannetto De Rossi, yeah, right? He did, he did the makeup for that think about if it was somebody else yeah put thompson you know what i mean or something it would be completely different it would just feel totally different yeah it's just the way things were done it's just fucking completely fucking different and something i didn't know uh tapehead massacre podcast they were they did high tension um great movie did you know that he did you know that he did the makeup effects for that movie same dude that did zombie did the makeup effects for that movie oh shit Wow. The, I was uh, like, holy shit. The French movie, yeah. High Tension? Yeah. Such yeah. a good film. Yeah, that's cool as fuck, man. Damn. Right? Isn't that so weird? Now, if you ever rewatch that movie, you're going to be looking like, hmm, like, let's see if I could see the connection. Like, because especially with the makeup effects guys, you always kind of can see, like, similarities between different gimmicks that they use. Even if it was 30 years ago, you could always kind of still see a little bit of that mm-hmm. flavor now i gotta go back and rewatch I just, it and see uh, ryan I, I just rewatched it, it probably a month and a half ago because we watched high tension when it first came out and we've been talking about it for a long time like oh we should revisit it and see if it holds up and then i found a dvd of it thrifting one day and i was like cool let's throw it on and man uh the 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 effects the practical effects stuff are incredible in it so that makes sense like good for him that he's still working and he's still pumping out good one of material. the best french films you think is that probably one of the best french horror films it's not bad the only other one i could yeah only other one i could think of that comes to mind that i really really like is a, a, a film called martyrs yeah that they did uh it's a french film originally and that fucking movie is brutal also french have some pretty cool movies man. yeah they sure they, do they some brutal they shit. remade that movie yeah, the original the remake is is fine or whatever, but the the original Martyrs is is fucking awesome, dude. If I can't even think of like I'm I'm no fucking you know I'm no scholar or anything, but I can't even think of like fucking French horror movies besides Martyrs and I watched one not too long ago tension. called uh, I think it was called Deep in the Woods or something like that. It's like a '90s or early 2000s. Um, I don't think it's shot on video, but it's definitely low budget. And man, there's it's so overlooked because it's one of these dumbass films where this this happened after Scream. I blame Scream for everything for this is that they put a <laughs> profile of teens, sexy teens on the cover of every yep. fucking movie. And the movies were killer. And they if they would have just packaged it differently, it would have held up. And this is one of those. I think it's called Deep in the Woods. Check it out. It's kind of like a not quite art house, but it's pretty out there and bizarre. And it, it blew me away. I just found it like thrifting. I, I popped it in, not expecting it. I thought I'd just kind of pass it on to somebody else. And I was like, what am I even watching now? But the cover, <laughs> the cover is just a bunch of sexy teens on the cover. And I'm like, Fucking man, profiles. if they would have just given that cover, this, the 80s treatment or something like something killer, it would have been like a major film. You know, we talked about that on our, our 90s horror movies the the horrible covers they did God, from Scream man. on was all the profiles I and they fucking ruined, ruined horror films yeah. because of it. <laughs> I just thought of a French horror movie that I really really like, Baxter from 1989 with the fucking with dog, the, the bull oh, terrier. Yeah. yeah, dude, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's you it. Can, you yeah, yeah. Baxter. I've seen it a long time ago. 
I love yeah. that movie. I love Would that one. Would you guys one. consider Delicatessen be a fucking borderline horror movie? It is. Or is that just kind of an art house? It is. Uh, that's shot by Mark Caro and Jean-Pierre Jean Jeanette. So they did Delicatessen and then they did City of Lost Children right after that. Then they sp- both of those wild fucking, fucking some movies, of my all time favorite movies. Delicatessen yeah. and City of Lost Children are both considered post apocalyptic, but they're horror post apocalyptic because in Delicatessen, because of the subject matter, and then they split the after people, that. Yeah. And that's when uh, Jeanne went on to do Amelie and all this other cool stuff. But uh, those two films, man, are incredible. And I would I would put Delicatessen in in the kind of post apocalyptic horror, which isn't that's not a common uh, grouping, but but I would put it there. Dude, a young Grizz, his older cousin, feeds him LSD and makes him watch Delicatessen when he's like 17 <laughs> years old. Changed my fucking life. One of the weirdest moments That's it. I've ever experienced. Yeah, man, I got it sitting right there. <laughs> that was Shut game over. Shut me down. <laughs> okay, so uh, why don't, EK, why don't you give me your final thoughts on Splatter <laughs> Farm? Because I really feel like people just need to watch this movie. No matter what we say about it, it's, it's just not going to... I guess do it justice. So, EK, what do you uh, think? Final man? thoughts are uh, you got to have respect for the the vision of three teenagers pulling this off. I mean, it's it's pretty insane. I think, though, that in the grand scheme of Polonia's output, um, maybe don't start with this one unless you're like really into messed up stuff. Then this is going to be your your favorite one. Keep in mind, though, that even though we're talking about some of the things that come up, uh, the subjects that are breached in this are, are pretty rough <laughs> keep in mind that it's all done uh, tongue-in-cheek it's all sense of humor like even with the head decapitated head scene that you were talking about he never takes his pants down so like clearly it's just teens having fun and that's yeah. exactly the type of film you would make as a 17 year old so if you keep that in the back of your mind it's a really fun watch but if you're not into this kind of stuff you're not going to enjoy this that doesn't mean though that you should count out the polonias because i think that there's a ton of other stuff they did after the fact that's not like Splatter Farm, but is equally as fun and entertaining. But Splatter Farm itself, man, I'm going to just put it up there as like absolute essential early shot on video because it was ahead of the curve. Before we get to the golden age of shot on video, teenagers were putting this shit out and they did a good job. It's actually a good film. You can watch it. It makes sense. You, there's a narrative that runs through it. Uh, it's not like you're just totally confused. So, I, man, that's a blows me away that three teens did this. <laughs> Chris, what about you, man? Give me your final thoughts on this thing. Uh, EK's right. Where like this is this is a Polonia film, but it's not like any other Polonia film that you know I think we've come to to know and love, just because of the subject matter being so. Um, immature in a way you could tell that it's a bunch of teenagers like making a fucking horror film you know like there's just some really raunchy gags that happen throughout the film which I I, I mean I'm a fucking teen at heart so I think they're hilarious and I, <laughs> I eat that shit up so it doesn't bother me at all um, but I, I could see how like you know if someone's first film was this it'd be a little interesting for them to want to wanna watch other Polonius stuff um, there's some some amazing things that I think will uh, are just kind of like sparks of what they're going to do in the future that make them so great in this film. So that's kind of fun as a fan that didn't see this first to go back and be like, oh man, like at 17, they already had what's going to make them so great in them. They were just kind of like honing it at the time and stuff. Um, and I think the last thing that makes this film is so, so awesome is that you get to see 
uh, one of the Polonia brothers uh, naked in a bathtub, smoking and drinking, and it's probably one of the one of the moments in my life where I've had to really question my sexuality for a moment oh, because, gosh. man, that is raw, raw, raw. That's all I can say. Yeah. So, so basically. Go see Splatter Farm. Try to find a way to watch it. It's not on the internet anywhere, so good luck. Uh, it's not on Amazon. It's not on any of the streaming networks. You could stream Return to Splatter Farm yep. if you would like. That's on Tubi. But, uh, you know, this is one of those ones where you're just going to have to try to ask somebody to make you mm -hmm. a bootleg, unfortunately. Because there's no other way to watch it. Good job, whoever's fucking handling the rights right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Splatter Farm. Man, it just words do not do it justice. We saw this at VHS Fest one year, and it was fucking even more crazy <laughs> to see it on a giant drive-in theater screen. Uh, with a, with people that probably didn't know what they were getting into yeah, when it was for playing. Sure. <laughs> uh, so, you know, definitely try to track down a copy somehow, any way you can. Uh, you can buy that DVD VHS collection box set thing. You can try BearShare, uh, LimeWire, Kazaa, any of those. <laughs> you might be able to get yourself a fucking copy. Yeah. Hit up EK. He'll sell you uh, a copy of his for $75. We need, to, we need to try to put his kids through college. That's right. All right? So, <laughs> all right. So, let's head over to the video drop box. Okay, we're back in the video Dropbox and we're going back to the weird ass shit that I have on my shelf with a 1988 Wally Cause movie where if you heard me say the name Wally Cause, you probably know what the fuck we're talking about. And that's 555, the hippie murder type fucking <laughs> shot on video, low budget, Trashter piece, yeah. Chris. How the fuck would you even? How would you explain this movie? Trash. <laughs> <laughs> but in the best possible way. I mean that endearingly. So, a slaughterhouse entertainment release. Another tape that is incredibly hard to find, where even the re-release will cost you a couple mm -hmm. hundred bucks, That's which crazy. is insane. Stop spending that much money nice on fucking re-releases. Hey, dude, I, I didn't spend any money. I traded for my original, so I got that nice pink Baller. slaughterhouse entertainment. <sighs> come come, try to steal mine. Come on. <laughs> come, come try me. Let's do it. Uh, let's hit the trailer if there is one. I have no idea about this one is a, is a coin toss. If not, I'll just play something else.
Hey everyone, this is E.K. Wimmer. And I'm Mariah Rose. And we are from the Laser Graves podcast, a podcast that is devoted to telling you fascinating and amazing stories from the 1980s. We look at movies, we read books, we are literate, and we also talk about events from the 1980s. Yeah, did you enjoy the farting zombies of Spookies like we did? Who Covered does? that one. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> well, join us if you want to hear about some fun movies and events from the 80s. You can find us wherever you get your podcast. And if you'd like to catch up on older episodes, you can visit us at www.lasergraves.com. So see you there. Bye. Okay, 555. Five, five. I would say this one's kind of divisive, mm-hmm. right? Some people hate it. Some people love it. EK, have you ever seen this movie? Yeah, you sent me a copy, remember? A long time ago, years ago, like a year and a half. Oh, don't say that. I'm going to get sued. Oh, wait, no. (laughs) Start over. (laughs) A Um, friend. (laughs) Yeah, I I have a copy on the shelf that a friend got me, and so I've seen it. I, I was expecting something different. I'll say that. I think that that's maybe most people, they see the cover, which is very iconic, and they have an expectation, and when they watch it, um, either you're in or you're out. I, I would strongly agree it's divisive. Chris, uh, would you say this is more of a police procedural than it is a horror movie? Yeah. If you were like going to watch this film thinking you were about to watch some like really good story that's going to fucking be captivating, <laughs> you're in for a fucking big shock because it is none of that. <laughs> we're going to have a good time talking about this one. I, I guarantee you we will have a good time. So, uh, EK, what, you got anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say as we sign off this wonderful episode of Bad Taste Video? Uh, thanks for having me on again. It's fun to get on and talk bullshit. I mean, Polonius, anytime you're going to talk them, I'm happy to come on. I just, this is it's my happy place. So it's fun to talk with you guys about it. I feel like that's something that brought the three of us together. So every time we talk about Polonia, it's like a, it's a good time. Um, but other than that, I'm just, you know, working oh, yeah. on, on laser graves, kind of getting the next episode ready. And I uh, appreciate you having me on to, to chat. Of course, we're going to have to have you on when we do bad magic. Oh, That'll be the yeah. next one. <laughs> and any, uh, any scores right now that you're working on? I am. I'm working on a feature. Uh, actually, it's a shot on video feature uh, for a filmmaker up in Canada. Friend of Bad Taste video podcast, actually. He did Forgotten Trash, and then we did a, a feature together called, um, shit, it's called, oh, Stir Crazy, and then after that, he hit me up again to work on the third, so it's a trilogy, Forgotten Trash, Stir Crazy, and now we're doing the third one right now, and then uh, I'm working on another uh, film out in LA right now, so I'm, I'm staying, it's, it's starting to pick up again, like, you know, uh, COVID kind of put everything on hold. There you but. go. So you do with all these credits to your name, it's only a matter of time before the uh, the Polonia world comes <laughs> yeah. knocking at your door. Mark, I know you're listening. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> one of us has to work with, with Mark Polonia Absolutely. at some point. That's the goal. Once one of us gets in, we're all in. We're going we're gonna to pull that whole nepotism type oh, yeah. fucking, we're, not that we're related, <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to do one of those things. Uh, where could they find the Laser Graves podcast? Uh, we're on Instagram at Laser Graves, and then uh, anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts, or you can always go to, to lasergraves.com and find all the back episodes. So go dig through the archives. We've done a bunch of bullshit, that's for sure. 
Go listen to the Elf episode. Hey, man. It's the fucking best. <laughs> if, if you like our podcast, you will love EK's podcast because they're actually knowledgeable. No, no. They have information. And we're just two buffoons. We're just two buffoons <laughs> talking about fucking dumb shit, and they actually prep. Uh, <laughs> seriously, EK comes out here like the fucking Encyclopedia Polonia today, and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I only know one thing, and that's Lucio Fulci. So yeah. I'm sorry, guys. Let's talk about weed. Uh, <laughs> I know some fucking things. That's another podcast. Chris can talk. Yeah, Chris can talk to you about smoking meat and uh, and weed. I guess. Hit me up, uh, Chris. Where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Instagram at Kane underscore Enabler. And you can find me at Bad Taste Video, and you can find everything we do at www.badtastevideo.com. Uh, please like and subscribe to wherever you listen to us. Leave us a good review. It helps us out a lot. Or don't. You know, fuck you, I guess. <laughs> fuck us, right? Um, yeah, yeah, fuck us, right? <laughs> We're just doing this. Fuck, fuck me. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week with... Uh, five five five. Hopefully, uh, you don't unsubscribe because we're doing that movie. But we're we're diving back into the shelves. It's gotta, time to go back to our roots and show you the dumb shit that we watch. Are you gonna play right? some like Slipknot at the end of this episode? Some fucking heretic anthem. To fucking- oh my god! Yeah, you know what? We're gonna have everybody suing us after this episode. That's it. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week with five five five.